Welcome to Art Hue, a podcast that dives into currently trending or historically significant topics relevant to our community. I'm Rachel Lee. And I'm Kaylin Tran. If you haven't listened to our three-part series about how creatives were affected by the pandemic, be sure to listen to them on Spotify and Apple Music. The link is going to be in our bio. In today's episode, we're addressing the increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in America and unpacking how racism against the AAPI community, a community that Kaylin and I are part of, has been perpetuated through mass media. These attitudes didn't just begin during the pandemic. They've existed for decades and have only been growing with the help of normalized microaggressions and misrepresentation in the world around us. From March 2020 to March 2021, the number of reported hate crimes against Asian Americans rose by 169% across 15 major cities, as reported by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University at San Bernardino. This year's top headlines included Muslim college student badly burned in acid attack in New York. Asian woman, 65, knocked down, repeatedly kicked as witnesses appeared to watch. Man who specializes in killing Asian people, arrested after assaulting Asian cop in San Francisco. The aggressive increase in racial tensions towards the AAPI community during COVID-19 became a pandemic of its own. Racial slurs, slanted eye gestures, and physical beatings and confrontations, many of which have resulted in death, were not being addressed in mainstream media until Asian celebrities publicly commented on them. The I am not a virus hashtag was coined in the past year, but also opened a gateway to conversations about how Asians and Asian Americans are viewed. This typically negative representation of us in Hollywood films and news outlets, anywhere from the model minority myth to not being seen as, quote, American enough. Asian hate became a prevalent issue at the start of the pandemic, but it wasn't until celebrities like actors Olivia Munn, Mindy Kaling, Simu Liu spoke out on their social platforms early this year that these attacks reached mainstream news outlets. Actor Daniel Day Kim also testified before the House Judiciary Subcommittee at a congressional hearing asking members to pass the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act and the No Hate Act, which provide services like, quote, counseling for those convicted of hate crimes and improved data collection for hate crime reporting. Though it took high-profile figures to start the conversation, smaller artists at the local level have the potential to enact just as much impact. Carving your own space to represent yourself and your people is possible no matter how big of a following you have. Stephanie Hu, founder and executive director of media organization Dear Asian Youth, hated being Asian when she was younger. Her exposure to different cultures growing up helped her widen her perspective, but she still experienced what she describes as a sense of self-hatred and discomfort in her identity. Stephanie was born in New York, moved to Taiwan around four or five years old, then to mainland China, before finally coming to Southern California in eighth grade. She's a 17-year-old creative whose passion project quickly grew into a global initiative with over 112,000 followers and 160 chapters across the world. She launched her organization as a high school sophomore in April of 2020. It was really just supposed to be a platform for me to publish my own poetry. And then I kind of found that there was this recurring pattern in the pieces that I was writing, where a lot of it was centered around my Asian identity. And then I thought that, you know, I could 
make this into a whole thing where, you know, I could write about my Asian identity, maybe invite a few other friends along with me to write about theirs as well. She noticed a pattern no matter where she lived. The European students at her international school in China were typically more popular than the Asian kids, and the same hierarchy was enforced whenever she came back to the U.S. for a summer camp. This influenced how she viewed herself and her culture. So I would literally make like a conscious effort to hang out with more white people, which is so stupid now that I think about it. Moving to California to live in a predominantly white community also made it difficult for her to feel accepted. Despite coming from different parts of the world, Stephanie and her peers all shared the same sentiment of struggling with their identity as they grew up. Though she never intended for it to, Dear Asian Youth became the support system Stephanie and her team never had before. The most fulfilling kind of part about creating this space is seeing other people thrive, seeing other people, you know, like say, hey, I was really starting to like doubt my identity, but finding this space and finding Dear Asian Youth has given me an outlet to make lifelong connections and to really also just like talk through my feelings and see that I'm not alone in the way that I feel and that there are other people who feel the exact way that I do. Dear Asian Youth strives to foster positive discussions and recognition of the AAPI community in a variety of ways. Day's Global Chapter Program fosters local communities of advocacy. Its podcast spotlights Asian women from all walks of life. It regularly publishes articles, prose, poetry, art, and music to educate its audience and creates social media infographics that inform and represent Asian youth worldwide. The traditional lack of representation that Asian Americans receive in mass media is another aspect that Stephanie believes contributed to her rejection of her own identity. Hollywood and American entertainment has played a large role in perpetuating harmful stereotypes about Asians. Our accents are mocked and our eye shape is ridiculed. An East Asian character would be made to do a Kung Fu or a South Asian character would be cast as an engineer. It's no wonder that Asian males are hardly ever seen as romantic interests or that Asian women are constantly objectified in the roles they play. 26-year-old filmmaker Ragini Bassi agrees that representation plays a large part in how AAPI members view themselves and how the rest of the world views us. Ragini grew up in India and moved to the U.S. in 2016 to pursue her MFA in film directing. She works for Jubilee Media, a digital media company with over 6 million YouTube subscribers that produces unscripted content they refer to as, quote, empathy savvy meaning that their videos are both educational and entertaining. Ragini is passionate about tackling traditionally taboo subjects and challenging social norms to create thought-provoking material. One of her films, Bizarre, is about a 13-year-old Afghan refugee who experiences her period in a refugee camp. Ragini made the deliberate decision to even show bloodstains on camera. She chose this topic because women are still shamed, even ostracized by society for having periods despite it being a natural process. To Ragini, films are a way of giving a voice to the voiceless. Working on films that destigmatizes a lot of issues that are considered a stigma by society is something that I enjoy doing because I feel these stigmas arise out of very old folk tales or um, 
a very rigid conservative mindset, which needs to be challenged. Ragini's focus on challenging social norms is why she's more than familiar with the traditional stereotypes that Asians are portrayed as in films. I think there's some stereotypes that I probably have even ignored because they're so ingrained and I've watched them so often that I forget that it's a stereotype. One of the many problematic media stereotypes that have recently been examined is the fetishization of Asian women. After a white shooter attacked several Asian-owned massage parlors in Atlanta and killed eight people in March 2021, he claimed his actions weren't racially motivated. Rather, his sex addiction caused him to target sources of his temptation, aka the massage workers. American entertainment has endlessly perpetuated the fetishization of Asian women as a submissive, delicate darling. Anime Wong's character as a nightclub dancer in the 1929 film Piccadilly represents an early example of the hypersexualization of Asian women. The movie Full Metal Jacket launched the infamous usage of the phrases, quote, me so horny and, quote, me love you long time. The Asian characters in Tina Fey's Mean Girls are written to be so sex-crazed to the point that a student's sexual relationship with a white male teacher is used for comedy. When Hollywood doesn't make an effort to combat this type of problematic portrayal, societal beliefs will hardly be subject to change. However, Ragini believes that things are starting to look up, at least for the East Asian community. Films like Minari and Crazy Rich Asians have received prestigious acclaim lately. Because I feel it will expand and it will soon include South Asians as well. And just, you know, minority community doing well makes you feel good, no matter what. So I feel there is a sudden shift to being more inclusive and to breaking the stereotypes of Asian Americans in films. As a South Asian, Ragni is no stranger to being neglected from conversations regarding the AAPI community. To be honest, I was never considered an Asian student. It's very easy for people to forget that India is a part of Asia and a part of South Asia. So I remember having a conversation with another friend who said, you're not Asian. You're not a part of Asia, Asia. And I was like, what is Asia, Asia? And what he meant was that I'm not a part of East Asia. But I think it's it sounded very ignorant to me and a little rude to just discount my experience or my identity. Light-skinned Asians, like those who are Chinese, Japanese, Korean, or Vietnamese, are often the first ethnicities that come to mind at the word Asian, while brown Asians are typically an afterthought. Neglecting the perspectives, opinions, and experiences of South and Southeast Asians normalizes the erasure of their identities. It's one thing to experience racism from other ethnicities, but another thing entirely to be marginalized by one's own community. Previously, if you would, if you would watch an Indian, either they would be used as a device for mockery, their accent is being mocked, or they would be portrayed as an engineer or as a studious nerd. Those are those very typical uh, representation of brown people. Or of course, they would be used as a terrorist, especially if they're, they come from a Middle Eastern country. Those are the three kind of roles that you would mostly uh, see South Asians portraying. Having better representation in both Hollywood and mass media news outlets is certainly a desired goal. In fact, there's a lot to celebrate about recent successful milestones for our communities in entertainment, politics, and medicine. Exactly. 
The issue is that when Asians are mentioned in the news, it's typically only in a positive context. The fact that Asian hate crimes were not reported in mainstream media until prominent actors called attention to them speaks volumes about the lack of a holistic representation. Representation on the screen is impactful and symbolic for traditionally marginalized communities. But just having that isn't enough to address rising tensions against Asian communities. 24-year-old jewelry artist Ada Chen believes more work can and should be done at the local level to encourage direct change. Ada is a San Francisco native who currently resides in Brooklyn, where she graduated from Pratt Institute. She points to direct community efforts like giving out free self-protection tools for the elderly or doing mutual aid for sex workers. These tangible actions help at a local level while allowing communities to strengthen their own self-reliance rather than seek assistance from the police or from the state. At the end of the day, if we focus so much on representation, the other work will not be done. Because, like, Steven Yuen winning an Oscar will not keep, like, white supremacists from, like, hating him. Will not keep white people from shooting at massage parlors and feeling entitled to Asian women's bodies. Like, it's nice to consume media with my face that's represented. But at the end of the day, I care more about the person who, like, doesn't have enough to eat, doesn't have a home to live in. Ada first began advocating through her jewelry business in college. San Francisco has a large Asian population and was comforting for Ada growing up, but she also lived in the southeast corner of the city and had exposure to Black communities. This helped her with the culture shock she experienced while attending Pratt Institute, which is a highly gentrified area. She started relating more to the Black American students at her university and started sharing their cultures with each other. As a result, college became a very explorative place for her and her identity, which she decided to express through her art. Interacting with a lot of Chinese international students at my school, we could relate on some levels but not others, and then I started relating more to even just um, the Black American students at my school, who are my closest friends now. Um, so then we started sharing culture and then like because they had such a pride in who they were I was like why do I not have that pride so then I started to find the pride in my own culture and being Chinese. Ada uses her jewelry to advocate for and celebrate Asian American identities. Some of her projects include rings, earrings, and necklaces with the engravings quote made in Chinese America or her spinoff line quote, made to abolish America. She also designed earrings that showcased real text conversations she had with men who fetishized her as an Asian woman. These types of art pieces symbolize her reconciling with her identity as well as coming to, into recognition and pride of being Chinese. Ada channels her ever-growing appreciation for her culture into her wearable pieces of protest art and direct community aid efforts. Ada's noticed that recent discussions about Asians have extended beyond surface-level coverage. The increase of racial attacks against the AAPI community during the pandemic has opened up the conversation to more complex issues. So pre-COVID, the Asian-American conversation, I think, revolved a lot around stereotypes. So we were all coming into this, like, realization. You know, like, the, the basic, like, stinky lunchbox, like... Don't call me chink. Don't pull your eyes up. All my thesis work was about, like, stereotypes. 
post-COVID though, because all of the flaws of our country were being revealed, I think the conversation has actually opened up. It's now past the stereotype, and I think it kind of addresses more of the violence. Like many of us, Stephanie, Ragini, and Ada all questioned the perception of their identities at some point. They eventually discovered that their art not only helped them overcome these prejudices, they became a form of creative advocacy. From social media platforms to news outlets and Hollywood, mainstream media is barely starting to catch up to the stories, perspectives, and lived experiences that marginalized communities have suffered. However, we shouldn't let this discourage us from trying to cause change. It may have taken high-profile actors like Daniel Day Kim and Olivia Munn to bring attention to Asian hate crimes, but you don't have to be a celebrity to enact change. Silence is deafening. In this case, can be fatal. As seen with Stephanie, Ragini, and Ada, positive change is possible for the AAPI community if more people acknowledge and act upon the discrimination we're subject to, which, as precedents have shown, is anything but new. I think what being an activist boils down to is advocating for yourself and other people, which you can do at any age. I've been privileged enough to, you know, have connection to the internet, to have access to a laptop, and I'm able to connect with other people and I guess, promote my activism that way. But that's also not the case for everybody. Um, A lot of people might not have parents as supportive as I do who believe in this work. Never too young to really like fight for what you believe in, but also don't stress out on the quote unquote right way to be an activist because there is no right way. For more CAC content, follow us on Instagram at CAC Official, Twitter at HeyCAC, and like us on Facebook. You can also find more information about us at cacofficial.org and get to interact with members of our community on our Discord, which is linked in the bio. We're your hosts, Rachel Lee and Kaylin Tran. And thank you so much for listening to Art Hue.